HR from Happy Valley's Producer Cut Special Edition Podcast. This is your host and your favorite TA, Sydney. And today we're interviewing Courtney McDowell, nationally ranked debater, self-proclaimed professional arguer, HR coordinator at Berger HR Solutions, and a recent guest speaker in HM466. We're going to outline for you all how to construct a strong and effective argument, which is going to be useful for your upcoming debate segment of this class project. But before we get into any of that, Court, can you tell us why any of this even matters in the first place? Thanks, Sid, for that introduction. And really, to, to answer your question, the, the reason why all of this matters can really be chalked up to one thing. Ultimately, knowing how to construct an argument will help you succeed in every aspect of your life. When you know how to not only think critically, but also share that information in a clear and effective way, you ultimately can advocate for whatever you want. In interviews, you have to you know, convince the interviewer that you're the right person for that job. When you're negotiating your salary, you have to convince your boss that your value is X amount of dollars when you're trying to convince your friends to go on a certain spring break trip. I mean, like this applies to every aspect of all of our lives. Think about it. Most of us talk every day. I'd be shocked if any of us didn't. We might as well learn how to do it in an effective way where we can get our point across and ultimately, you know, use our conversations to be able to share information in a way that that makes sense and that is clear and certainly advocates for for something that you're trying to convince someone of or or change someone's mind about. Before we discuss the specifics of constructing an argument, can you explain the structure of a debate? Yeah, certainly. There's two sides of an argument. So there's a topic. Let's use one of our examples, you know, tattoos in the workplace. Are they good or are they bad? One side is saying they're good. One side is saying they're bad. And then within each side of pro-tattoos and anti-tattoos, you're going to have arguments to support that overarching side of the debate. So pro-tattoos are going to have, you know, maybe two or three arguments. Anti-tattoos are going to have maybe two or three arguments. And then ultimately, you know, you, you build your case. And then, and then after that, initial sharing of those those contention, those arguments, then you essentially just deliberate them. Um, and that's sort of what the structure of this particular segment of the hot topics of the, uh, the podcast project is going to work specifically. So I just want to clarify, once you've gotten your topic and you've chosen your side, you need to construct a few arguments to advocate for your side of the debate. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. So Courtney, I hear you have a secret sauce, (laughs) a formula, if you will, for delivering an effective argument. Can you briefly explain this formula for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, uh, My secret sauce, the formula, which is not mine, by the way, it came from my debate coach in high school. But the secret sauce is abbreviated to AREI, Assertion, Reasoning, Evidence, Impact. So your assertion is, I think this. Your reasoning is why you think this. Your evidence comes from someone else. It is a case study, a narrative, uh, statistics, expert testimony, that sort of thing. Something that sort of proves your I think this because this, your assertion and reasoning. And then you have your impact, which is just what it sounds like. It's something that should impact the audience. It should explain to your audience why what you just said matters to them. 
you can provide really strong statistics that like really drive home your assertion, your reasoning. But if it doesn't apply to the person that you're speaking to, if there's no impact to that particular person, then ultimately your argument doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to convince anyone of anything if it has to do with something that they don't care about. Okay, so there is the assertion, reasoning, evidence, and impact of each argument. Where the heck do you get started with all of this? Yeah, that's the big question is where to start, right? I personally like to start with evidence because that's something that I can't make up. The assertion, the reasoning, the impact, that's something that I develop based on my own critical thinking, my own ultimate, not necessarily my opinions, because sometimes I'm advocating for something that I don't believe in, like depending on what side of the debate I'm assigned to. But ultimately, it's something that you can fabricate. Evidence you can't fabricate. It has to come from a reliable source. So that's where I usually start. I know that you have sources that Dr. Tooze has given you that the TAs have fleshed out. I would start there. I would look at the data, look at, um, you know, whatever statistics you have, look at studies. You can use other types of evidence from expert testimony to case studies, anecdotes, that sort of thing. But ultimately, typically, the best and strongest evidence is going to come from hard numbers because that's really, you know, something that's provable. Anecdotes are really great to sort of evoke emotion so that can be really useful but ultimately narratives case studies that expert testimony those sorts of things are really only effective in conjunction with statistics hard numbers because again those statistics are really what's proving your point okay so once you have a piece of strong evidence where do you go from there so once you have your evidence now you're getting into sort of the nuts and bolts of creating the entirety of the argument and so you know you take your evidence and what I like to do is look at it from a bunch of different perspectives and think like what does this mean to different people and in different ways if you have a piece of data from some study that was done last year what does that imply oftentimes you can read in the study not just the the results but also read the implications that'll give you a good place to start What do the researchers think that this information, this data, this evidence means? And then go from there. Once you have, you know, sort of a a meaning behind the evidence, use that to to base an assertion off of. So write your your assertion. And that is going to be sort of like the main point of this argument. So you have your assertion and your reasoning and your evidence. And then in terms of impact, uh, then you sort of take that ARE and you make it matter to whomever it is that's going to be listening to you. So in the case of the hot topics debate, the people that are going to be listening to your podcast are going to be most likely HR and business professionals. So think about business owners, think about managers. What do they care about in terms of what evidence and what argument you're providing? So in the case of tattoos again, if, you know, an employer is listening to this information, why do they care about tattoos? How does it impact them? You can tell them that people do or do not care about tattoos, and so we should let them or not let them have them on their bodies, but ultimately, why does that matter to them? Does that make turnover lower? Does that increase revenue? So on and so forth. Courtney, this has all been great information, but is there any way you can take us all through an example argument using all of these steps? Absolutely. 
I want to look at the the one hot topic that was actually removed from the list last week, not because no one's doing it anymore, but because it's something that I'm really passionate about, and that's compensation. So we start with evidence. That's our first step. So there's a 2021 study by Dr. Jolly uh, and yours truly, as well as two other fabulous professors. We looked at pay benefit satisfaction, perceived organizational support, job variety, and turnover intention. And we found that while pay benefit satisfaction has been known to have a negative relationship with turnover intention, this particular study that uh, found that in the hospitality industry, perceived organizational support and job variety moderate this relationship. So essentially, this means that we don't need to pay people more. We need to make their jobs more interesting, and we need to show them that we care about them as a person, not as just a cog in the machine. So we take this evidence and we build the rest of the argument. So we'll start with the assertion. What does this evidence mean in the context of compensation? It tells us that increasing compensation does not necessarily make people care more about their jobs. That's our assertion. Then the reasoning. Why does increasing compensation not necessarily make people care more about their jobs? Because people care about enjoying their work and feeling like they're a part of something bigger than themselves more than whether they're making an extra 3% this year. That's our reasoning. We already have our evidence, so now we'll move on to the impact. Why does all of this matter to our listeners, keeping in mind that our listeners are HR and business professionals? They care because they need to know how to treat their employees. If not throw money at them, what should they do? So your argument should sound something like this. Increasing compensation does not necessarily make people care more about their jobs because people care about enjoying their work and feeling like they're a part of something bigger than themselves more than whether they're making an extra 3% this year. A 2021 organizational behavior study on the U.S. hospitality industry found that while compensation is a huge factor in whether or not employees choose to stay with their current company, job variety, and perceived organizational support can actually be as, if not more, important in determining employees' turnover intention. This means that we need to focus on giving employees variety in their everyday responsibilities and make conscious efforts to show them that we care about them as a person, not just as a cog in the machine. Let's face it, compensation is the one thing that's universal about jobs. No one in the U.S. is working for free. Throwing money at people is not the best way to increase retention and make our organizations more and more successful. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Take this information, use assertions, reasoning, evidence, and impacts to develop strong and persuasive arguments for your debate. As always, looking forward to seeing you around good old Matir. And this is Sydney from HR from Happy Valley signing off. Until next time, kids.